0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Licton-Walter. This is Fundamentally Mormon. Today we're going to be continuing on with chapter 14 of Polygamy in the Bible. We'll be on pages 143 to 158. The title of this chapter is Prophets, Priests, and Kings. The reader portion of this program is about 29 minutes long. After the reader portion of this program, we will be reading it with commentary. And at that time, we will be opening up the guest call-in line and the chat room. The guest call-in line is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. In the chat room during the live portion of the radio program, is at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally mormon currently we're trying to uh do these programs from monday through friday from 6 p.m to 8 8 p.m or until we're finished But let's get into this, uh, the reader portion of the program. If you don't want to listen to this part of the program, like I said, just skip forward to about 30 minutes uh, in the recording, and that's when we'll start the commentary portion of the program.
0: Here we go. Thank you for listening. Profits. Priests and Kings, chapter 14 of polygamy in the Bible, pages 143 to 158 to the Lord and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Isa. 8, 20. It cannot be denied that polygamy was a common practice throughout the pages of the Old Testament. It is equally evident that it was a deliberate, open, and willful practice of the most holy and righteous men on the earth and Ashen lived without the least reproof or condemnation from God. Neither was there any trace of sorrow, remorse, or repentance by these men. The Bible records that their wives and children were the recipients of God's greatest blessings and promises. The Bible's most honored leaders were well acquainted with the laws of God, as David admitted when he wrote. O how love I thy law! It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep, 144, thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Psalms 119, 97-104, All the kings of Israel were commanded to write the laws of God in their own handwriting, and always keep it with them. Also, they were to read those laws daily. See Jude 17, 15-20. The children of Israel were commanded to write the laws of God on the doorposts of their homes. This was the way God had of preserving His words in their minds and hearts. This made them students of the law of God and very familiar with His commandments the kings of Israel were not ignorant of the laws of God, yet they lived polygamy. Neither were the children of Israel so ignorant of the law of God that they would put a polygamist into leadership positions if polygamy were a sin. Polygamy was not just a marriage system lived by an exclusive few. As we continue through the Old Testament, we will discover that it was practiced by many prophets, priests, kings. Judges and commoners. Following our review of those noblemen who lived plural marriage, given during the period of the judges, there was no predetermined leadership, as they later had under the rule of kings. God raised up individuals who acted as rulers to meet certain circumstances. 145, the Midianites and the Amalekites were constantly destroying, robbing and plundering the land of the Israelites. It was during a seven-year period of suffering and famine that the Lord heard the pleas of the Israelites and sent them a deliverer by the name of Gideon. One day as Gideon was threshing wheat and hiding it from the Midianites, an angel of the Lord came and sat under an oak tree and said to him, The Lord is with thee. Thou mighty man of valor. Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Judges 6.12-14. But Gideon could not understand how he could save Israel, because his family was poor, and I am the least in my father's house. But the Lord replied, I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Judges 6.16 under Gideon there were 32,000 Israelite soldiers ready to march against the Midianites and the Amalekites. But the Lord made it clear that the battle and victory were to be his, not because of the superior numbers or might of the Israeli army. The Lord told Gideon not to send to battle those who were fearful and dash which left 10,000 men in the camp. The Lord said this was also too many So Gideon was told to separate them by rejecting all he lapped up water like a dog when they came to a spring. Only 300 men drank the water by cupping it in their hands. So Gideon sent the rest home. Then Gideon's spies overheard a man relating a dream in which the Midianites were defeated by Gideon. This encouraged him. That same night Gideon, 146, divided his men into three companies, and gave instructions for their attack. They surrounded the camp of their enemies, holding a torch inside of an overturned pitcher in one hand and a trumpet in the other. About midnight they blew their trumpets and smashed the jars. The sudden light and noise frightened the enemy, and the Lord caused them to fight among themselves. News of this astounding victory spread throughout the land, and new hope and faith came to the Israelites. He less than Gideon greater and certainly learned to trust God for the impossible. He gave evidence of wisdom in the art of warfare and, also, wisdom along with patience and humility in dealing with the Ephraimites. Israel later remembered her deliverance by Gideon as one of national importance. P.S. 83, 11, Isa. 9, 4, 1026. The name of Gideon has become popular in Christian circles and has been used to name groups such as Gideon's International, a Bible distributing organization. Zoned Irvin's Encyclopedia of the Bible, 2, 720. But this great man, Gideon, was also a polygamist. He had many wives and a concubine that gave him seventy-one sons, not to mention how many daughters. It is written that Gideon had three score and ten sons of his body begotten, for he had many wives. And his concubine that was in Shechem, she also bare him a son. Judges 8.30-31 even Paul the Apostle does not omit speaking of Gideon as one of those ancients who through faith, 147, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, and obtained promises. See Heb. 1132-33, from the Lord. So an apostle of Christ honoured this man, and so does our modern Christian Bible society that places Bibles in hotels and motels all over the world with the Gideon name stamped on their cover. And this Gideon was a polygamist. Javis is said to have been a descendant of Manasseh. He judged Israel for 22 years and he had 30 sons. Judges 10, 4, his dominions were extensive, for each of his 30 sons presided over a city in the land of Jilid. Abdon this man was a judge in Israel who ruled for eight years. He, too, followed the example of the other kings and judges in Israel for we read that he had forty sons. Judges 12, 14. Ibzan Ibzan was from Bethlehem and became a judge in Israel for seven years. We read that he had thirty sons and thirty daughters. Judges 12. 9. Like the other judges, we read of no condemnation for their polygamy. Jeroboam this man was called upon as a choice for ruler over Israel, and he had three score and ten sons. Judges 9. 2. If he had had as many daughters, he 148 would have had 140 children. Figuring about an average of five children to a wife. That would make this man a polygamist with about 30 wives. Jeramiel, Jeramiel was a descendant of Judah, and his name means, the Lord will have mercy. He was brother to the famous Kaleeb, who was companion to Joshua. This relationship may account for that prominence given Jeramiel and his descendants in the genealogical records. C.I. Crone Two, nine. 25-27. 33-42. He also had another wife, whose name was Atara. Ikron. 2-26. Ash was a descendant of Khalib, and he also had two wives, Hella and Nara. 4-5. And We read of this man in the genealogy of Israel. That he was a polygamist also, and Hashim and Bar were his wives. I crone. Eight, eight. Hobom Hobom, the immediate descendant from Solomon, was also a polygamist. As wives he took Mihalaf, then Abiel, and then Machar, the daughter of Absalom, whom, it is said, he loved above all his other wives, by whom he had a bijah his successor on the throne of Israel. He stands on record as a lawful descendant of David. See Matt. 1, 7, 2 Chrome. 11, 18, 21, 22, 149. The Bible said of bone that he desired many wives, and I guess he would end the dash. He had 18 wives and 60 concubines. They did well for him because he received 28 sons and 60 daughters. And perhaps he was worthy of them because it is written that he dealt wisely with them and he gave them vital food in abundance. No bone was chastised by the Lord, but not for polygamy. It was for not being humble, and in his heart he did not seek the Lord. When he finally humbled himself before the Lord, the Lord turned away his wrath. But, through it all, he still kept his wives with the approval of the Lord. See 2 Crone 12.7 Abijah Abijah, son of Hoboman, descendant of David, was the second king of Judah during the divided kingdom, and he ruled in Jerusalem for three years. Before a battle he cried, God himself is with us as our captain. And in spite of being outnumbered two to one, He came off victorious. We read, But Abijah waxed mighty, and married fourteen wives, and begat twenty and two sons, and sixteen daughters. And the rest of the acts of Abijah, and his ways, and his sayings, are written in the story of the prophet Ido. 2 Crone 13 21-22 Something must be said in favor of this polygamy, if a prophet of God had a record of his acts, ways and sayings. This is another missing book of the Bible that could probably shed more light on the history and sayings of such noble men of God. 150, Josiah. The good king Josiah was among the polygamous kings of Judah. He had two wives in Dash, see 2 Kings 23-31, 36, one named Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna, and the other was Zabudah, by whom he had Jehachim, the father of Jeconiah who is found in the line of Joseph's, Mary's husband, ancestors from David. Joshua was among that rare breed of whom it was written in Dash, like unto him was there no king before him, that turned to the Lord with all his heart, and with all his soul, and with all his might according to all the law of Moses. 11 Kings 23:25. This was certainly not a bad character reference for a polygamist. Elkanah Elkanel was in a it and he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other Peninnah. By Sam. 1, 2, but... Hannah had no children which caused her much grief, insomuch that she wept and did not eat. Now Hannah prayed to the Lord and vowed a vow that if the Lord would give her a son, that she would devote this son to the Lord. A priest by the name of Eli, who was at the temple, heard her praying and told her, The God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. I Sam 1. 17, and we read that the Lord remembered her, and she conceived, and hid a son called Samuel. Hannah said, 151, for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him, therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth he shall be lent to the Lord. I, Sam. 1, 27-28. The Lord heard the prayer of this polygamist wife, and he accepted her offer, and Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And all Israel knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord revealed himself to Samuel by Sam 3 19-21 Hannah sought with all her heart for the blessing and promise that was given to Abraham's Sarah. Her faith so pleased the Lord, that he blessed her with four sons and two daughters. If polygamy were wrong, the Lord would not have blessed her with an answer to her prayer. God would not have given her a prophet's son such as Samuel. And Eli the prophet priest would not have given his sanction to her being in the temple, nor given her his blessing from the Lord. One author argues that, polygamy was partly indulged in only by patriarchs and some of the kings. However, Elkanah was neither a patriarch nor a king. Yet he was a polygamist as much as any of them. Furthermore, the Lord blessed this man with a son who was one of the great prophets of the Bible. We read that Elkanah made the sacrifices at the temple, but no one could either offer or feast upon sacrifices unless he was clean. See Lev 720-21 152 But what must have become of that man whose moral uncleanness must have been what Elkanah's was if he could be deemed to live in adultery? For that he certainly did if polygamy was a sin against the seventh commandment. Could he have come up year after year to worship and to sacrifice to Jehovah under such a state of moral defilement and uncleanness? Could he have found blessing and acceptance while in the sink of moral filth and pollution? Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's two sons, were both cut off in one day for the abuse of the offerings of God and for their uncleanness by Sam. 2.17, 22, 34 But Elkanah remains in his, accepted of God, and happy in being blessed with a son, and such a son as Samuel, by miracle. Again, what was Peninnah? A partaker, a partner, in Elkanah's iniquity, if their marriage was unlawful. What were the sons and daughters who were born of Peninnah, under a forbidden marriage? Bastards and dash therefore Peninnah's eating of the sacrifices as well as her children's, were absolutely forbidden things. Even the hire of an whore was forbidden to be brought into the house of the Lord. Jude 23, 18. How much more the person of an adulteress? And as for a bastard, or one born of her who was with child by whoredom, he was not even to enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to his tenth generation. Jude 23 2 how then could Elkanah himself and how could Benina supposing her the second wife how could the children born of these parents go to that 153 house of the Lord in Shiloh and feast upon the sacrifices and return in peace with God's blessing and acceptance unless the second marriage was as lawful in God's sight as the first and no more than that an offense against God's law in whatever view we take this chapter, it proves that neither the words of the primary institution, nor those of any subsequent commandment, prohibited polygamy. Philip Rev. Madden, 2, 400-401. On the other hand, the children of polygamists were blessed and not cursed. A bastard, or the son of a woman who was with child by whoredom, could not enter the congregations of the Lord. But the child, Samuel, son of a polygamist, was in the tabernacle of the Lord at Shiloh even in his childhood, wearing the sacred linen ephod and ministering to the Lord. Furthermore, he did it in front of the priest Eli. C. I Sam 1 and 2 Samuel was one of God's chosen prophets and a very noble judge. Two books of the Bible bear his name, and he was the inspired writer of the books of Judges and Ruth. He was on extremely intimate terms with God, more so than any other man of his time. Yet, he was the son of a polygamist. Jehoiada Josh was a king in Israel for 40 years. He received the right to rule when he was only 7 years of age, and he was a noble and honorable king. He had a personal friend, and advisor named Jehoiada, who was the priest of Jerusalem. It is written that, 154, Josh did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. 2 Chron. 24, 2 One of the things that Josh did was to allow Jehoiada to live polygamy. And Jehoiada took for him two wives. And he begat sons and daughters, two crone, twenty-four, three, this priest of God must have been a worthy man. God blessed him with two wives, many sons and daughters, and permitted him to live one hundred and thirty years. His whole life shows that he was a man of God and honorable in all his dealings. And when he died, he was honored by all of Israel, for it says, But Jehoiada waxed old, and was full of days when he died, and hundred and thirty years old when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel, both toward God, and toward his house. 2 Crone 24, 15-16 God showed no displeasure toward Josh for his allowing polygamy to be lived by Jehoiada. However, after Jehoiada died, Josh began to turn away from the teachings of Jehoiada and allowed pagan worship to return. As a result, Josh had disastrous raids, was wounded and finally died by assassination. In the end, it was decided that he should not be buried among the royal tombs of the kings. But they did bury the polygamist Jehoiada among the honorable kings of Israel. Because they saw no fault with him. Hose Hose was a prophet of God. According to scripture, God's first words to Hose were concerning 155, marriage. We read, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hose. And the word of the Lord said unto Hose, go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms. Hose 1, 2, he was obedient regardless of what his feelings might have been, and he went and took Goma, the daughter of blame Then after two sons and a daughter by this woman, the Lord commanded him to go and take another woman in marriage. This time the Lord told him, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress. I see 3, 1. It took some effort to do it even at the expense of 15 pieces of silver and a homer and a half of barley. This, then, is positive proof that the holy prophet was commanded to take a plurality of wives. Not only was he commanded to live polygamy, but he took the lowest type of females and converted them through repentance and raised up children to the Lord by them. It is important to keep in mind that the object and design of polygamy is to raise up children who will serve the God of Abraham and Jacob. This is what men like Hosea were commanded to do, and the Lord blessed them for it. I have many of the ancient prophets voiced words of condemnation to sinful people, even at the peril of their own lives. Polygamy was a common practice of the nation when Isaiah and Jeremiah lived but they made no rebuke to those living it. They reproved with sharpness the defilement of neighbors' wives, 156 whoredom, fornication, and the troops who assembled at harlot houses, but not a word against polygamous marriages. King brained in Israel during the time that Elijah the Tishbit was fired with zeal for God and was a faithful reprover of sin. As a polygamist, King Ahab had 70 sons, yet Elijah never said a word against his polygamy. But he did reprove the god of Baal, the 450 false prophets, and Jezebel. The tribe of Issachar there is specific mention of polygamy being lived by those in this tribe. We read that their brethren among all the families of Issachar were valiant men of might, a crone. 7, 5 and were placed by David as chief men. They were the main fighting force for Israel, and probably through their capturing of other cities, they took additional wives. We read that they were soldiers for war, six and thirty thousand men, for they had many wives and sons. Akron Seven four. Their polygamous lifestyle is mentioned in the Jewish history and confirms this marriage system among that tribe. The tribe of Issachar was noted for its practice of polygamy, a custom which was probably followed by all the later kings of Judah and of Israel. Jewish Encyclopedia 10, 120, 157 Job. Job was a wealthy man, but more than this, he was perfect and upright and one that feared God, and is chewed evil. Job 1, 1, this man had seven sons and three daughters, but in the day of his fiery trial, one of his servants came running in to tell him that and dash, thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men and they are dead and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Job 1.18-19 The servant was saying that after the collapse of the house with Job's children inside, that he, alone, escaped. All of his ten children perished. Along with the many other heartaches and tribulations, Job proved faithful to his integrity to God, and the Lord promised him twice as much as he is before. In time he again had ten more children, see Job 42, 13, the same as he had before, except this time he lived to see those sons have sons even two, four generations. It is only reasonable that this man with 20 children must have lived with plural wives to bear him such a large family. 158. The lives of prophets, priests, judges and patriarchs contain stories of the most righteous and noble men that ever lived. They and their children were given God's greatest blessings and promises. But most Bible commentators have difficulty in explaining why they had so many wives. Polygamous children were not condemned or cut off, but rather the promises of God to them were so extensive that it sounded as though they would continue through the eternities. Whatever people may think of these prophets, priests and kings of Israel, it is a paradigm that God delighted in their polygamous wives and children. Abraham, Jacob, David and Moses, with a host of others, left a memorial to succeeding generations. What is a memorial? It is a cornerstone or way of life, upon which succeeding generations may continue to build. God wanted all generations to remember those men and their covenants He made with them in the manner of life they lived. From the creation of Adam until the birth of Christ and dash more than 4,000 years in dash how many of the billions of people were called a friend of God? How many of the earth's inhabitants received that title besides the polygamist Abraham? Of all the people on the earth, how many received the royal title of a prince? Thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. None but polygamist Jacob. And how many have been called by the Lord, a man after God's own heart, except polygamist David? Who, then, claims such divine honors and such close associations with God? Men such as Abraham, Jacob, David, and other notable polygamists. 159, chapter 15, concluding the Old Testament.
1: Okay, so the guest call number is 917-889-8827, and uh, let's get into the reading and the commentary portion of the program. Prophets, Priests, and Kings, Chapter 14 of Polygamy in the Bible, pages 143 to 158. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. That's the King James Version of that scripture, but it is to the Torah. If they speak not according to the Torah, there is no light in them. It cannot be denied that polygamy was a common practice throughout the pages of the Old Testament. It is equally evident that it was deliberate, open and willful practice of the most holy and righteous men on the earth and lived without the least reproof or condemnation from God. Neither was there any trace of sorrow, remorse or repentance by these men. The Bible records that their wives and children were the recipients of God's greatest blessings and promises. The Bible's most honored leaders were well acquainted with the laws of God, as David admitted when he wrote, quote, O how love, I thy law, or thy Torah. And Torah just means instruction. It is my meditation all the day, through thy thou, thou through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than mine enemies. For they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For thy testimonies are my med- meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. Page 144. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. End quote. Psalms chapter 119, verses 97 104 that chapter is actually the longest chapter by word count in the Bible just a little interesting tidbit of information there continuing all the kings of Israel were commanded to write the laws of God in their own handwriting or in other words they were commanded to write a, uh, a copy of the Torah in its fullness Every king was. So they had to write it and keep that scroll with them. So let's see here. And always keep it with them. Also, they were to read those laws daily. See Devarim or Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 15 through 20. The children of Israel were commanded to write the laws of God on a doorpost of their homes. And that's what the, the mezuzah is. You can look that up by uh, asking Rabbi Google what a mezuzah is. This was the way God had of preserving his words in the mind, in their minds and hearts. This made them students of the law of God and very familiar with his commandments. The kings of Israel were not ignorant of the laws of God, yet they lived polygamy. Neither were the children of Israel so ignorant of the law of God that they would put a polygamist into leadership positions if polygamy were a sin. Polygamy was not just a marriage system lived by an exclusive few. As we continue through the Old Testament, we'll discover that it was practiced by many prophets, priests, kings, judges, and commoners. Following are a few of those noble men who lived plural marriage. Gideon. During the period of the judges, there was no predetermined leadership as they later had under the rule of kings. God raised up individuals who acted as rulers to meet certain circumstances. Page 145. The Midianites and the Amalekites were consistently destroying, robbing, and plundering the land of the Israelites. It was during a seven-year period of suffering and famine that the Lord our God heard the pleas of the Israelites and sent them a deliverance by the name of Gideon, a deliverer by the name of Gideon. One day, as Gideon was threshing wheat and hiding it from the Midianites, an angel of Jehovah came and sat under an oak tree and said to him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Judges, chapter 6 verses 12 through 14. But Gideon could not understand how he could save Israel because his family was poor and I am the least of my father's house. But the Lord replied, or the angel of the Lord replied, I will be with thee and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. End quote. Judges chapter 6 verse 16. Under Gideon, there were 32,000 Israelite soldiers ready to march against the Midianites and the Amalekites. But the Lord made it clear that the battle and victory were to be his, not because of the superior numbers or might of the Israelite army. The Lord told Gideon not to send to battle those which were fearful, which left 10,000 men in the camp. The Lord said this was also too many. So Gideon was told to separate them by rejecting all who lapped up water like a dog when they came to a spring. Only 300 men drank the water by cupping it in their hands. So Gideon sent the rest home. Then Gideon's spies overheard a man relating a dream in which the Midianites were defeated by Gideon. This encouraged him. That same night, Gideon divided his men into three companies and gave instructions for their attack. Page 146. They surrounded the camp of their enemies, holding a torch inside of an overturned pitcher in one hand and a trumpet on the other. About midnight, they blew their trumpets, or in other words, their shofars, and smashed the jars. The sudden light and noise frightened the enemy and the Lord caused them to fight among themselves. News of this astounding victory spread throughout the land and the new hope of faith came to the Israelites. Gideon certainly learned to trust God for the impossible. He gave evidence of wisdom in the art of warfare and also wisdom along the patience and humility in dealing with the Ephraimites. Israel later remembered her deliverer by Gideon as one of the nas- of national importance, which is spoken of in Psalms chapter 83 verse 11, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 4, and also chapter 10 verse 26. The name of Gideon has become popular in Christian circles and has been used to name groups such as Gideon's International, a Bible-distributing organization, end quote. Zondephan's Encyclopedia of the Bible, volume 2, page 720. But this great man, Gideon, was also a polygamist. He had many wives and a concubine that gave him 71 sons, not to mention how many daughters. It is written that Gideon had three score and ten sons of his body Mm. begotten, for he had many wives, and his concubine that was in Shechem, Shechem, she also bare him a son. Judges chapter 8, verses 30 and 31. Even Shaul, or Paul the Apostle, does not omit speaking of Gideon as one of those ancients quote, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, and obtained promises. See Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 and 33. And we're on page 147. From the Lord, so an apostle of Christ honored this man and so does our modern Christian Bible society that places Bibles in hotels and motels all over the world with the Gideon name stamped on the cover. And this Gideon was a polygamist, Shiar, or Jar. This jar is said to have been a descendant of Manasseh, Manasseh. He judged Israel for 22 years, and he had 30 sons. Judges, chapter 10, verse 4. His dominions were extensive, for each of his thirty sons presided over a city in the land of Gilead. Abdon. This man was a judge in Israel who ruled for eight years. He too followed the example of other kings and judges in Israel, for we read that he had forty sons. And that's in Judges, chapter 12, verse 14. Yibzon. Yibzon was was from Bethlehem and became a judge in Israel for seven years. We read that he had 30 sons and 30 daughters in Judges, chapter 12, verse 9. Like the other judges, we read of no condem- our condemnation for their polygamy. Jerubbaal. This man was called upon as a choice for ruler over Israel, and he had three score and ten sons, Judges chapter 9 verse 2. If he had had as many daughters, he would have had 140 children. Page 148. Figuring about an average of five children to a wife, that would make this man a polygamist with about 30 wives. Jeheremael. Jeheremael was a descendant of Judah, and his name means, the Lord will have mercy. He was brother to the famous Caleb, who was companion to Joshua. This relationship may account for the prominence given to Jaramel and his descendants in the genealogical records. See, see First Chronicles chapter two, verses nine and 25 through 27: 33, and also verse 42. He also had another wife whose name was Atra, according to First Chronicles chapter 2 verse 26. Ashur. Ashur was the descendant of Caleb and he also had two wives, Helah and Naarah. First Chronicles chapter four verse five. Sheraham. We read that this man in the genealogy of Israel, that he was a polygamous also, and Husham and Baara were his wives. First Chronicles chapter eight verse eight. Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the immediate descendant of Shlomo or Solomon and was a polygamist. As wives, he took Matlah, then Abihel, and then Macharah, the daughter of Absalom, whom it is said he loved above all his other wives, by whom he had Ab- Abijah, his successor on the throne of Israel. He stands on record as a lawful descendant of David. See Matthew chapter 1, verse 7, and also Second Chronicles chapter 11, verses 18, 21, and 22. Page 149, we're at 36%. The Bible said of Rehoboam that he desired many wives, and I guess he did. He had 18 wives and 60 concubines. They did well for him because he received 28 sons and 60 daughters. And perhaps he was worthy of them because it is written that he dealt wisely with them and he gave them victual or food in abundance. Rehoboam was chastised by the Lord, but not for polygamy. It was for not being humble, and in his heart he did not seek the Lord. When he finally humbled himself before the Lord, the Lord turned away his wrath, but through it all he still kept his wives with the approval of the Lord. See Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 7. Abihah. Abiyah, son of Rehoboam and descendant of David, was the second king of Judah during the di- divided kingdom, and he ruled in Jerusalem for three years before a battle. He cried, God himself is with us as our captain. And in spite of being outnumbered two to one, he came off victorious. We read, quote, But Ab- Abijah waxed mighty and married fourteen wives and begat twenty and two sons and sixteen daughters and the rest of the acts of Ab- Abijah and his ways and his sayings are written in the story of the prophet Idu, Second Chronicles chapter thirteen verses twenty one and twenty two. Something must be said in favor of this polygamist. If a prophet of God had a record of his acts, ways, and sayings, this is another missing book of the Bible that could probably shed more light on the history and sayings of such noble men of God. So we're on page 150, and uh, I'm going to... I think I'm going to... uh, Just open up the line and see if anybody has called in. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. And we'll be reading the book of Josiah on the... Or not the book, but uh, we'll talk about Josiah on the other end of this. So uh, also the chat room is open during the live portion of the radio program. And the, and the phone lines, of course. But um, we try to go live Monday through Friday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. or until we're finished. Uh, so basically, we finish sometime between 7 and 9, usually. Um, we have two hours of live streaming, but anyway, um, and then an hour of overdrive if we need it, So, but usually we don't. So anyway, uh, when we come back after I check the studio and the chat room, We'll be on page 150, and we'll continue on with uh, talking about Josiah. Okay, yeah, uh, there's nobody in the chat room, and there is nobody in the studio. So. But the, call, uh, the call-in lines are open, and uh, anybody can call in with any questions about theology or about myself or about anything really. Uh that has to do with theology or whatever. So anyway, uh Kim, are you there? I do not hear yep, you. Yep, I'm here. Yep. Can you hear me? I saw Emmett called in. Yeah. I saw Emmett called in but uh he was he, on for like he's 10 out out and feeding goats. Yeah, it, he had it it to go is. out
2: back and feed the goats. So he is not back in yet.
1: Does that slacker armadala give us babies yet? No. How but dare she? Honestly,
2: I think she's pushing.
1: Yeah, well, we thought that a month ago.
2: <laughs> well, she was like opening up while she was pushing.
1: <laughs> oh, so maybe there'll be but babies. But nothing's when happening. I, get home I was in the out
2: there. Maybe I was. It was 15 minutes that I was out there looking with nothing else happening. But I don't know. We'll see what she does. <laughs> I've been wrong about that one before. Marie, I'm always right about, but that one, I don't know.
1: Yeah, nobody knows about her. So this goat, Amadala, her son, Luke is a big boy and then she's got yeah. two others that she had last year so oh, what Luke is like mm-hmm. two years old he's yeah. like a pony a really yep. disgusting smelly pony because goats like to pee on themselves in case you yeah, don't yeah, know I does. mean the listening audience but he's a goat and he's our stud yeah so anyway uh, we need to actually find a related to him.
2: <laughs> I think you are breaking up a little.
1: Okay. Well, we're on page 150 and we're talking about Josiah and uh, mm-hmm. before we get into talking about Josiah, I do want to something read now? about him. Yes. Oh, um, okay. well, I was not aware of a, that. Oh, <laughs> why I why weren't you aware like, of that? Like,
2: Well, I didn't know right now that I was doing it. That's what I'm saying. am <laughs> like, okay, I have to go grab the book. I have oh. the book already. and that's, I just didn't know that okay. well, I was doing while that right now.
1: Doing that, I, okay, okay, well, while you're doing that, um, Josiah is actually mentioned in the book of Lehi which book I have. People are not ready for it. And uh, I think that there's a reason why... God allowed that uh, that book not to be distributed among the people, um, partly to teach Joseph Smith a lesson, but also there's some stuff in that book that uh, is really interesting. So I have the unabridged version. Joseph Smith did not. He had the abridged version that Merle and I prepared. But uh, in the book of Lehi, um, Josiah was king during that time where Lehi was on the earth and when they were living in Jerusalem. And um, there was a priest, in the a high priest in the temple who uh, found a book of the law of the Lord, which book they did not have. For some reason it had been lost to those people. So anyway, but the, the school of the prophets had that book. Uh, the school of the prophets was I think Nehemiah, Ezekiel Jeremiah, Lehi And I can't remember who All was a uh, prophet during that time But um, But they had the book of the Law of the Lord But uh leadership in the temple Like you know like as far as they were Concerned you know the school Of the prophets was like A break off or something You know so Anyway but um when Josiah got the the book of the law of the Lord, uh, he convened a council of high priests, and they actually added many things to Torah, which were not originally part of Torah. And uh, Lehi and Jeremiah condemned them uh, because they added things, and because um, the school of the prophets had the book of the law of the Lord, and the one that... Uh, that they released uh, through King Josiah was not, it didn't match up. It wasn't the same stuff. Like, they added a bunch of stuff. It was like Brigham Young. So William Law uh, and Jane Law, they, uh, in the novel expositor, they gave a testimony, an affidavit in that publication, which was printed before the death of Joseph and Hiram, where they talked about Hiram reading uh, a revelation that sounds very much like section 132 in the modern Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So, uh, But what's interesting about that is many, many years later, when that revelation was published to the church, um, William Law saw the revelation... And he said, this is not the same revelation that Hiram re- read to me. This, this has a lot more added to it. And uh, William Law stated that the revelation that Hiram had was about two pages long. In another testimony, somebody says that they were able to write down the revelation, and they, they wrote in cursive and fine penmanship, but they were able to write down the revelation in under, uh, under 35 or 45 minutes. I think it was 45 minutes. Um, but the revelation that Brigham published was eight or nine pages long. Because Brigham added many things to the original revelation. Now Brigham did that with other revelations too. He also added things to those revelations. He took things away from those revelations. And he mashed revelations together to try to make certain narratives work with what his theology that he was pushing, you know. So Josiah did the same thing. And the council of high priests in the temple did the same thing with the book of the law of the Lord. The 613 laws of the Torah that we currently have Uh, Not all of them were given to Moses. Many of them were additions from King Josiah. Now, King Josiah was like 19 or 20 when that happened. And he was king of Israel. And um, I think when he was 21, he went out to battle against King Nebo, who was the king of Egypt. And King Nebo chucked the spear and that spear went up into the air and it came down between the head plate and the shoulder plate of Josiah and it pierced him in the place where armor the armor was not covering or protecting him and it pierced him in the heart and he died and I believe that God allowed that to happen because of what Josiah did. And part of the reason why they were destroyed in Jerusalem shortly after the Exodus of Lehi was because the uh, the corruption of the high priest and the kingdom in following laws and the adding to laws which were not in the original Torah. Now, in the book of Devarim or Deuteronomy, it says not to add to or take away from the book of the law of the Lord. So we're not supposed to do that. Now, Jesus Christ, he taught exclusively from the Old Testament because they did not have a New Testament. Everything that Jesus taught came from the Torah, everything. He did not come to add or take away, and he did not come to to, uh, do away with the law but he came to fulfill it, which means in the Hebrew mindset that if a a rabbi says you you are fulfilling Torah, that means you are living it perfectly, which Jesus did as an example of how we are supposed to live. Now, um, there was that curse that was on Josiah. So like You know, people rewrite history according to what they want people to know. But I have the book of Lehi, and I understand that Josiah was not as great as he claimed to be. Also, one other thing. The only reason Josiah had only two or three wives is because he died so young. Anyway, all right. Well, Kim, are you ready? Kimberly.
2: Yep, here I am.
1: Okay, I will meet myself. Did you you say page 150? 150, Josiah.
2: That's what I thought, yep. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure because then it would be weird if you were like, we're on page 182, and I'm like, okay, Josiah, 150. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The good king Josiah was among the polygamous kings of Judah. He had two wives. See 2 Kings 23, verses 31 and 36. One named Hamudal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna, and the other was Zebuda, by whom he had Jehochaim, the father of Zikonia, who is found in the line of Joseph, Mary's husband, ancestors from David. Josiah was among the rare bre- that rare breed of whom it was written, and it says eleven kings, but I'm pr- pretty sure that that means um, I, um, Second Kings.
1: I gotta say something. Uh, oh. Okay. okay. So, yeah, you know, I recorded all of this. I read all of this before, and when I went to save it, it cut off a whole bunch.
0: <laughs>
1: so, um, you know what I what I you know recorded that got deleted um So the genealogy of Jesus Christ, a lot of people believe that the genealogy uh, of Mary Mary, you know that's the maternal line and that the genealogy of Joseph is the paternal line. but what's interesting is there is one less generation in the book of jo- or in the genealogy of Joseph because it's not the genealogy of Jesus's stepfather, Joseph. Miriam, or Mary's father, his name was Joseph. And it is her paternal line, not Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus. Jesus was not related to Joseph. Jesus was related to Miriam, or Mary, who, uh, you know, and, and the father. You know, and so I don't know why or how. But, um, but people got confused, and there were some uh, you know, things that were changed because people didn't understand it, but the genealogy of Jesus, that's Miriam, or Mary, and the maternal side, which includes her, I think it's 14 generations, but the side of Joseph, who was Mary's father, was only 13 generations which included Miriam, Miriam, or Mary, which would have been 14 generations, but she was already mentioned, so, you know, so I think it was 14 on both sides. But a lot of people don't realize that, and they think for some reason that Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, that, that his genealogies in the Bible. That's just incorrect. Joseph, that is mentioned in the chronology, which you just talked about, of Josiah that was the father of the mother of Jesus Christ so just a bunch of you're saying this is inaccurate no well they don't oh Ogden Kraut doesn't know this stuff he didn't know that I know that but he didn't know that um Mm -hmm. just like there's a there's a discrepancy and the Jews will be like well how come you know, there's one less generation on one side than there is on the other, and they, like, try to, like, whatever. And, and like, they're all, like, well, it says here that Joseph, that the, the stepfather of Jesus, his genealogy is mentioned, but why would he be mentioned? Because he wasn't related, according to the Christians, to Joseph, the husband of Miriam, or Mary. Miriam's the Hebrew name. Anyway, so... Jo- Ogden didn't understand that now Jesus was related to Josiah but the genealogy in the book I think of Matthew which is given as Joseph's genealogy is not talking about the husband of Mary the stepfather of Joseph I mean Jesus
2: Jesus, it is talking
1: about Mary's Matern- or paternal genealogy. So we have two, two lines of genealogy. One is Mary's maternal genealogy, and one is Mary's paternal genealogy, because Mary's father's name was also Joseph, just like her husband. And that's where the confusion comes in. So, yeah, I Ogden didn't understand that. And most people don't understand that. But I do understand that, so that's why I'm sharing it with uh, the listeners at this time. So, anyway, <laughs> so do you understand, Kim?
2: Well, I do, and I actually didn't even think about that before, but now it makes a lot more sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like one of them has uh, one one less uh, generation, and I think it was 14 generations, but. You know, mm-hmm. and they say 14 generations, but they only give 13 names. That's because Mary is part of the generation, but she's not listed for some reason. Oh right, right. But right. it's because jo- the the genealogy that you know that that's Mary's father, whose name was Joseph. So, and and because Mary's husband was also named Joseph, people get confused. So I just wanted to clear up that confusion. And hopefully I didn't confuse people more. Hope not. So Anyway, I'll mute myself. Okay. Let me see.
2: Okay, so um, 2 Kings 23, verse 25. Like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to all the law of Moses. This was certainly not a bad character reference for a polygamist. Um, and now we're on Elcana. Um <clears throat> His name
1: is Epic. <laughs> Are you there? Wait, what? Hello? Okay,
2: okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, Olivia said, okay, hold on one sec. All right. Oh. <laughs> Elkanah was an Ephemite and he had two wives the name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other Peninnah. that comes from 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 2 but Hannah had no children which ta- caused her much grief insomuch that she wept and did not eat now Hannah prayed to the Lord and vowed a vow that if the Lord would give her a son, that she would devote this son to the Lord. A priest by the name of Eli, who was at the temple, heard her praying and told her, The God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 17. And we read that the Lord remembered her, and she conceived and had a son called Samuel, Hannah said. Um, Now we're on page 151. Hannah said, for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my pe- petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, also, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. That's 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 27
1: through
2: 28. I didn't know if you had anything you needed to say after page 151. Um,
1: oh, yeah, no, I don't. Um, okay, okay. You know, Samuel was pretty cool, though. I mean, you know, <laughs> the prophet Samuel, who became a prophet at the age of nine years old. Yeah, that's cool. you know the story? I can't remember. So what Hannah pled with the Lord that she, if she could have a baby, she would dedicate him, um, I think, by the age of eight. Like, she raised him up, and then at the age of eight, I think it was, um, she gave him over to Eli, the, the high priest, um, high priest prophet. Anyway, but um, Eli raised him after that. Well, when Samuel, a Shemuel, was um, nine years old, the Lord spoke to him, but Samuel didn't know that it was the Lord. He thought it was Eli. So he got up out of his bed, and he said, you called me Eli, and he's like, no, go back to bed. And like this happened like three times. And finally, Samuel realized that God was speaking to him. And that's when he said, hear my Lord. And that's when God spoke to the boy prophet who was nine years old, whose name was Samuel, who was a very important prophet in Israel. So, um, Something interesting about Eli, so Eli raised Samuel, but Hannah was the mother, of course, but uh, Eli's two sons, God killed them because of their disobedience, because of uh, whoredoms on the steps of the temple, but but Eli was able to raise Samuel as pretty much his son, so interesting stuff. All right, that's that's Samuel, if you... uh, you
2: know who I'm talking about now. So Yeah, absolutely. So I actually remembered that like five five words into your story and I was like, Oh yeah, I remember this one. <laughs> but you just said to... <laughs>
1: so that and I was like, Oh yeah. yeah.
2: Don't ask so, me to
1: explain this. something. I'm oh, long winded. <laughs> that. That's
2: okay. Alright um, other it, people so. probably needed a refresher too. What area? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Lord heard the prayer of this polygamist's wife, and he accepted her offer. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And all Israel knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord revealed himself to Samuel. That's First Samuel chapter 3, verses 19-21. through 21. Hannah sought with all her heart for the blessing and promise that was given to Abraham's Sarah. Her faith so pleased the Lord that he blessed her with four sons and two daughters. If polygamy were wrong, the Lord would not have blessed her with an answer to her prayer. God would not have given her a prophet's son, such as Samuel, and Eli, the prophet priest, would not have given his sanction to her being in the temple, nor given her his blessing from the Lord. One author argues that polygamy was partially indulged in only by patriarchs and some of the kings. However... Elkanah was neither a patriarch nor a king, yet he was a polygamist as much as any of them. Furthermore, the Lord blessed this man with a son who was one of the great prophets of the Bible. We read that Elkanah made sacrifices at the temple, but no one could either offer or feast upon sacrifices unless he was clean. That's Leviticus chapter 7, verse 20 through 21, and now we're on page 152. Right before a really
1: big quote. <laughs> and I am about to come into Emory County, so I'll mute myself. And Emmett, okay. go ahead and mute yourself. I'm gonna, I'm unmuting Emmett's line, but he needs to mute himself just in case. Emmett, can you hear? Okay.
2: He's muted. Okay. but okay. He says hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> okay, so this is gonna come from. Phileph Thora, Reverend Madden, uh, Volume 2, page 400 to 401. Actually, this is going to be a bunch of cool, um, also references to scripture. Um, but it, this is, that's where it basically comes from, the whole quote. So, quote, But what must have become of that man whose moral uncleanliness must have been what Elkanah's wife, if he could be deemed to live in adultery? in adultery. For that he certainly did. If polygamy was a sin against the seventh commandment, could he have come up year after year to worship and sacrifice to Jehovah under such a state of moral defilement and uncleanliness? Could he have found blessing and acceptance while in the sink of moral filth and pollution? Hophni and Phineas, Eli's two sons, were both cut off in one day for the abuse of the offerings of God and for their uncleanliness." First Samuel chapter 2, verse 17, verse 22, and verse 34. But Elkanah remains in his acceptance, uh, in his accepted of God, and happy in being blessed with a son, and such as a son as Samuel. By miracle, again, what was Peninnah? Peninnah, a partaker, a partner in Elkanah's iniqu- iniquity, if their marriage was unlawful, what were the sons and daughters who were born of Penina, under a forbidden marriage? Bastards. Therefore, Peninnah's eating of the sacrifices as well as her children's were absolutely forbidden things. Even the hire of an whore was forbidden to be brought into the house of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 18. How much more the person of an adulteress and as for a bastard or one born of her who was with child by whoredom he was not even to enter into the congregation of the lord even to his tenth generation deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 2. how then could elkanah himself how could Peninnah, supposing her second wife how could the children born of these parents go to the house of the lord in Shiloh, feast upon the sacrifices and return in peace was God's blessing and acceptance, unless the second marriage was as lawful in God's sight as the first, and no more than that an, off, an offense against God's law. In whatever view we take this, this chapter, it proves that neither the words of the primary institution nor those of any subsequent commandment prohibited polygamy. End quote from Philipsora, Revelation Madden or Reverend Madden, sorry uh volume two, page four hundred to four hundred and one. And in between that we're now on page one fifty three. On the other hand, the children of polygamists were blessed and not cursed. A bastard or a son of a woman who was with child by whoredom could not enter into congregations of the Lord. But the child, Samuel son of polygamist, was in the tabernacle of the Lord at Shiloh or Shiloh. Uh, yeah, Shiloh. Even in his adulthood, wearing the sacred linen ephod and ministering to the Lord. Furthermore, he did it in front of the priest, Eli. See 1 Samuel chapter 1 and 2. Samuel was one of God's chosen prophets and a very noble judge. Two books of the Bible bear his name and he was the inspired writer of the books of Judges and Ruth. He was on extremely intimate terms with God, more so than any other man of his time. Yet he was the son of a polygamist. And now we are at Jehoiada. Jehoiada, is that right? I don't know if I'm saying it right. Jehoiada. I'm on he cannot hear me. Horseshoe
1: <laughs> okay. is, is where he... I am at.
2: <laughs> I don't know if Jehoiada is the right pronunciation, but okay. <laughs> Joash was a king in Israel for 40 years. He received the right to rule when he was only seven years of age, and he was a noble, honorable king noble and honorable king. He had a personal friend and advisor named Jehoiada, who was the priest of Jerusalem. It is written that Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest in 2 Con- Chronicles chapter 24, verse 2. One of the things that Joash did was to allow Jehoiada to live polygamy, and Jehoiada took for him two wives, and he begat sons and daughters. In Second Chronicles chapter 24, verse 3, this priest of God must have been a worthy man. God blessed him with two wives, many sons and daughters, and permitted him to live 130 years. His whole life shows that he was a man of God and honorable in all his dealings, and when he died, he was honored by all of Israel. For it says in Second Chronicles chapter 24, verses 15 and 16, but Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died, and hundred and thirty years old when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings, because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and towards his house. End quote from Second Chronicles chapter twenty-four, verse fifteen through sixteen. God showed no displeasure toward Joash for his allowing plygmy to be lived by Jehoiada. However, after Yehoiada died, Joash began to turn away from the teachings of Yehoiada and allowed pagan worship to return. As a result, Joash did, had, a disastrous, had disastrous raids, was wounded, and finally died by assassination. In the end, it was decided that he should not be buried among the royal tombs of the kings. But they did bury the polygamist Yehoiada, among the honorable kings of Israel because they saw no fault with him. And that brings us to Hosea and right before page 155. Did you have anything to add? Okay, I guess I'll continue on. (laughs) Hosea was a prophet of God, according to Scripture. God's first words to Hosea were concerning marriage. We read, The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the word of the Lord said unto Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredom. Hosea 1-2 He was obedient, regardless of what his feelings might have been. And he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim. Then after two sons and a daughter by this woman, the Lord commanded him to go and take another woman in marriage. This time the Lord told him, Go yet, love a woman he loved of her friend, yet an adulteress. Hosea 3-1 It took some effort to do it, even at the expense of 15 pieces of silver and homer and a half of barley. This, then, is positive proof that a holy prophet was commanded to take a plurality of wives. Not only was he commanded to live polygamy, but he took the lowest type of females and converted them through repentance and raised up children to the Lord by them. It is important to keep in mind that the object and design of polygamy is to raise up children who will serve the God of Abraham and Jacob. This is what men like Hosea were commanded to do, and the Lord blessed them for it. And now we're on Ahab. Many of the ancient prophets voiced words of condemnation to sinful people, even at the peril of their own lives. Polygamy was a common practice of the nation when Isaiah and Jeremiah Lived, but they made no rebuke to those living it. They reproved with sharpness at the defilement of neighbors' wives, whoredom, fornication, and the troops who assembled at harlot houses. But not a word against polygamous marriages. King Ahab reigned in Israel during the time that Elijah the Tishbite was fired with zeal for God and was a faithful reprover of sin. As a polygamist, King Ahab had 70 sons, yet Elijah never said a word against his polygamy, but he did reprove the god of Baal, Baal the 450 false prophets, and Jezebel. And now we're on the tribe of Issachar. Did you have anything to add? yet?
1: <laughs> okay.
2: The tribe of
1: Isaac. Jim. Yes. Can you hear me? Now I can. Okay. All right. So people believe that when in the book of Jacob, in the book of Mormon, that when God says that the only time he wants, you know, people to live polygamy is when he commands it so that, uh, so that they, you know, so that people can raise children up unto the Lord, Um, that that means that somehow polygamy produces more children. Well, God is not interested in your quantity. He is interested in quality. That's why there's so few people who actually come and are part of Zion's redemption, the remnant, because he's interested in quality. And it's the same thing with polygamy. It is not about raising up a bunch of people uh, and and increasing the numbers of children. It is about raising children up unto the Lord in righteousness, Um, because God is interested in quality, not quantity. Now, if there are many more righteous females and fewer righteous men, then God will want his children to be born into families with righteous parents. So if God allows polygamy for that purpose, it is because God does not want a bunch of heathen, wicked, iniquitous men to be raising children up unto him because they will not raise them up unto him. He wants all of his children be raised up in righteousness, and so he allows the righteous females to be with righteous males, so that they will raise up righteous children unto the Lord. So that is all I have to say about that. (laughs) So now we're at Isachar. you
2: there? I'm,
1: I'm here. Sorry. Okay. okay also, once again, like I said before, guest call number is 917-889-8827. And uh, I am going through Huntington, Utah. So I should be able to talk without being getting broken up a bunch. So anyway. Okay.
2: The price of is a there is a specific mention of polygamy being lived by those in this tribe. We read that their brethren among all the families of Israel were valiant men of might. First Chronicles chapter seven verse five, and were placed by David as a chief men. or as chiefmen. They were the main fighting force for Israel, and probably through their capturing of other cities, they took additional wives. We read that they were soldiers for war. Six and thirty thousand men, for they had many wives and sons. First Chronicles chapter seven, verse four. And it's cold in here. Can you come in and do the wood stove, please, or the pellet stove? Yeah, hold on. Their polygamous
0: lifestyle.
2: Think, their polygamous lifestyle is mentioned in the Jewish history and confirms this marriage system among that tribe. In Jewish Encyclopedia, volume ten, page one hundred and twenty quote, the tribe of Issachar was noted for its practice of polygamy, a custom which was probably followed by all the later kings of Judah and of Israel. End quote. Jewish Encyclopedia, volume 10, page 120. And now we're on page 157. And we're going to talk about Job.
1: And we'll talk about him in a minute. So in the book of Torah, (laughs) in the law of God, um, men of Israel were allowed to take wives of heathen nations that they conquered. The reason why God allowed that is because, once again, God wants to raise up children unto him. And when they go in and they destroy a wicked and adulterous uh, bunch of men, um, they are allowed to bring the women of those conquered tribes into the house of Israel, and they have to treat them a certain way, like, you know, treat them good, whatever, and they have to live a certain way, which God gave instruction for in the Torah, but it was so that these women could come out of the heathen, Gentile, whatever, the goyim, and they could have children which were raised up unto God, to the house of Israel. Anyway, Job. Well, we'll get into Job now. How many more pages do we have? Kim. Kim. Two. Uh, I can't hear you. Okay, two pages. Two. Okay, I'll meet. I'll meet myself.
2: Okay, then I'll unmute myself. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Job was a wealthy man, but more than this, he was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and assured evil. Job 1, one. This man had seven sons and three daughters, but in the day of his fiery trial, one of his servants came running in to tell him that In Job chapter 1, verse 18 through 19, quote, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. End quote from Job chapter 1, verse 18 through 19. The servant was saying that after the collapse of the house with Job's children inside, that he alone escaped. All of his ten children perished. Along with the the many other heartaches and tribulations, Job proved faithful to his integrity to God, and the Lord Lord promised him twice as much as he had before. In time, he again had ten more children, see Job 42.13, the same as he had before, except this time he lived to see those sons have sons and even two, four generations. It is only reasonable that this man with 20 children must have lived with pro-wives to bear him such a large family. Hmm. Page
1: 158,
2: do you want me to keep going? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. The lives of prophets, priests, judges, and patriarchs contain stories of the most righteous and noble men that ever lived. They and their children were given God's greatest blessings and promises, but most Bible commentators have difficulty in explaining why they had so many wives. Polygamous children were not condemned or cut off, but rather the promises of God to them were so extensive that it sounded as though they would continue through the eternities. Whatever people may think of these prophets, priests, and kings of Israel, It is apparent that God delighted in their polygamous wives and children. Abraham, Jacob, David, and Moses, with a host of others, left a memorial to succeeding generations. What is a memorial? It is a cornerstone or way of life upon which succeeding generations may continue to build. God wanted all generations to remember those men and the covenants he made with them and the manner of life they lived. From the creation of Adam until the birth of Christ, more than 4,000 years, how many of the billions of people were called a friend of God? How many of the earth's inhabitants received that title besides the polygamist of Abraham? Of all the people on the earth, how many received the royal title of a prince? Thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed? None but polygamist Jacob. And how many have been called by the Lord? a man after God's own heart, except polygamist David, who then claimed such divine honors and such close associations with God, men such as Abraham, Jacob, David, and other notable polygamists. And that's the conclusion of that chapter. Now we're going to be on page 159 and the reading, chapter 15, the concluding the Old Testament.
1: you know what is awesome about today?
2: What is awesome about today?
1: It is only 40 degrees, and yesterday it was 28 when I was here in the exact same place 24 hours ago that I was. I know, i excited
2: now. about that because the goat who, who is breathing 40. weird.
1: <laughs> you know what? Ghosts always start to give birth right when it warms up, right?
2: Is that what it is? Uh, I don't know. We're going to yeah. have mini Amadella. Like, well, okay.
1: like if there's a cold snap, they won't have their babies. But if they, if it gets warm, they'll have their babies. So Amadella oh. will probably have her baby tonight. Her babies. She was acting like it. Quadruple it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I just went and fed them, and I was going to say, it's, like, really warm out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 40 in Castledale. I'm just coming into Castledale right now. Uh-huh. So pretty awesome. Anyway, uh, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827 for anybody who does want to call in. Um, I don't know if I have anything else to say about this other than, like, you know from what I was shown when I asked God what it, like where he was before the big bang and I was trying to figure that all out back in my 20s and God took me up and he showed me the intelligences and you know how spirits come from the intelligence and the intelligence becomes self-aware and before they become self-aware and separate from uh into two spirits which one is masculine and one is feminine they are together and they are eternal. But when the spirit separates and becomes self-aware, the masculine and the feminine separate and they begin to age. And in order for, um, for them to, uh, you know, rem- or to, to get back to the point where they're eternal, Um, God I I don't know how he did this I don't know whatever but in the process of time they figured out how to seal the masculine and the feminine together through something called the Holy Spirit of Promise and um, when one man and one woman are sealed by the Holy Spirit of Promise uh, if they are uh, the elect and they qualify then they are skilled and they can have that eternal life that they had before they become self-aware as intelligences. So this is how, um, you know, all other spirits that don't qualify for this, eventually they'll get to the point where they, they don't exist anymore. Um, anyway, so, um, but what God showed me was that because there are many more elect who qualify for the higher blessings than there are males who do not qualify, um, God allows plural, uh, filling. many women still to fewer men. It has nothing to do with all the carnal crap that everybody freaks out about. Um, you know, part of it is that you know God does want His children who come on the earth to be raised in righteous families, because He wants quality, not quantity. But that's a secondary, um, that's a secondary reason for polygamy. The main reason is because those who qualify for these higher blessings cannot do it without being still One to another, uh, to a husband, uh, male to a woman, woman to a male, and then also being stilled to the elect, to, you know, Jesus and the Father and all the holy angels and all of that there. There's a stilling that takes place, and that's called the law of adoption. But Satan doesn't want, he doesn't like that. That makes him angry, because he had his soulmate taken from him because of his wickedness, when he was cast out of his office of the witness and the light bearer, and, uh, and he is separate and single, and he doesn't want anybody else to have eternal life. So if he can get into the people's heads that polygamy is a horrible, evil, wretched thing, then he wins but it's not a horrible, evil, wretched thing. If people live it incorrectly, it can be. If people are not ready to live it or they do not qualify for the higher blessings, then they should not live it. But that doesn't mean that polygamy is an abomination. So, um, and that's why we're going over this, because Joseph Smith said if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenant, you set them down as impostors." Well, if the interpretation that you have seems to contradict other scriptures, well, that means the interpretation that you have is incorrect and that you need to go to God to find out what the correct interpretation is and get revelation for yourself and if you're flipping out because you hate um these men that want to live polygamy because of their carnal desires well you you're judging something that is sacred by the actions of the wicked now i know that there's men who want to live polygamy because they think it would be fun to have a bunch of wives well <laughs> you have a bunch of wives who are not you know um, the elect and they are carnal and selfish in their desires then you're going to have a very and and if you're a man who's living that way too it's not going to work out look at me it's not easy but there is a reason why God allows it so anyway I, I just know I've had a bunch of you know, because they talk about these fundamentalist-type things. And, uh, you know, I get these men, these little boys who are in their 20s a lot of the time. And they'll be all, you know, they want to live polygamy. But they don't even have a wife to begin with, you know. <laughs> but they want to join a polygamous group because they want to live polygamy, which... You shouldn't live polygamy just because you want to live it. You should only live it when God commands it. So, anyway. Well, uh, Emmett, do we have anybody in the uh, chat room? Hello?
2: I can't hear anybody, so I don't know if you can hear me. I know.
1: I I was asking Emmett if there's anybody in the chat room, and I have not heard from him Yes.
2: Okay. I haven't heard from him yet either. Isn't oh, it?
1: you know what? His call dropped. What?
2: Oh. Um, okay. Emmett, can you see the – hold on, I'll find out one second. He's talking to me. What, Emmett? He said he got kicked off of it. What happened? Um, We're trying to find out if anybody's in the chat room. Can you find out if anybody's in there? Oh, what, a no, nobody's there.
1: My <laughs> okay. name What? Okay, well, um I'm uh about ready to jump out <laughs> What did you say? Uh Robinson Sorry. is going first. <laughs> All right, well, I got to just hear the music. I'm flipping dealing with these okay. guys at the power plant. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>